As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Football Ramble Mailbag. Footballers on social media and career comebacks are the order of the day. It's Saturday, 20th of January. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushin Nahantaraja. Hello everybody, it's Saturday. Sure How about Saturday, what a day. Jim, Yep, rocking all week with you. I'm right, yeah, I don't know those words. Happy I don't days. know the words to things, Marcus, you know this. Bollocks. You can know all the Radiohead B-sides, but you don't know the theme tune of Happy Days. Come on. Well, it was just such a poor rendition of it, I wasn't oh, even sure it was, it was music. actually, yeah. You didn't even buy it. I, you, I didn't... I'm not buying, I'm selling. You didn't really sell it. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's pick up the pace then, shall we? Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved uh, with uh, the mailbag who uh, sent us messages or, or tweets or, or on the Discord or emails. You know, we love you all dearly. Thank you for, for getting involved. Uh, Ryan has the honour of being the uh, the person who is uh, provided us. Oh no, we have the honour of Ryan's first question. We do. I think that's uh, that's the the, the case. Um, now Ryan has said it's twelve years since Ryan Barbel became the first footballer to be fined for comments made on Twitter, as it was called then. Kids, um, how far we've come. With that in mind, I've always wanted to ask: Do the Ramblers like the way footballers and football exists on social media? Do you think it helps you feel closer to the players and your club? Or is that just a load of old nonsense? Context, Barbel posted a picture of Howard Webb in a Manchester United shirt and got fined 10 grand for it. That's annoying, isn't it? If Howard will wear those kits. (laughs) You've all had tweets that have unexpectedly upset people, (laughs) but for it to cost you 10 grand, that's that's got to be a kick in the nuts. Uh, Not for a footballer. Still. Mm. Well, anyway, Ryan Barbel, an interesting one. Um, But yes, so so footballers on social media, how it exists, how it's now consumed, really. And do you feel closer to the players and your club? Jim? There's a sort of a a bit of an idea going around at the moment now that people are sort of fondly looking back on the early days of social media when, when, when players weren't social media trained on top of being media trained mm-hmm. as, a, as if it was a sort of the wild west a little bit like Wayne Rooney messaging Rio Ferdinand like Jamal picking up in the morning Jordan Pickford, <laughs> Pickford is slightly yeah. different because he was younger but moaning about his you know his parents not letting them have Sky in his bedroom all that stuff uh, where it's a bit more unvarnished and a bit more just how, how you know regular people are on, on social media and I do sort of subscribe to that I think that was a golden era of, of the unvarnished genuine yeah. uh, thoughts and feelings of people on social media and that's it's not just footballers, it's everyone, isn't it? It's, we, we've essentially created another dimension in, in which we all exist as well now. Mm-hmm. And 
people curate that um, in a way that they once didn't because we're just a bit more familiar with it. And mm. I think football is just like it is in most areas now is really, really sterile on, on social media. Like most of the tweets that come from footballers accounts <clears throat> aren't written by the footballers themselves. It's someone's yeah. full-time job <clears throat> or certainly part <throat> of someone's full-time job to do that. And I think actually um, we've, I don't think you really get much of a connection through a player from their social media, unless it's a collective moment that you all join in. Someone's had a big win and they post a very endearing uh, Instagram story or whatever. We, I guess we have that. Um, what about the, the memes of um, Harry Maguire? Was it in World Cup 2018 where he's leaning on the? Yeah, so that's nice. Bukayo Saka on the unicorn as well. Uh-huh. You do have these moments, I suppose. But again, they're sort of, I, I suppose they come up organically. But most of the time, it's pretty pretty sterile, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, as is as is the way of uh, the modern capitalist world, Jim. Um, no, I know what you mean. I I think that if you really wanted to tackle that then you you would have to have a rule that footballers must write their own tweets how you would enforce and police that I have no idea well that's your overall goal isn't it I don't <laughs> think you plan to be the ruler of this planet Matt mm. Letizier writes his own tweets he does yeah yeah, that's uh, an argument against it mm-hmm. I, I understand well, maybe that. the rule could be that Matt Letizier has to write everyone's tweets <laughs> And well, if, and if that's so not the he's going to be the ghostwriter for every footballer. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he'd still manage to find a way of saying that he's been muzzled. But anyway, uh, but Vish, what do you reckon to all this? Well, I mean, I reckon it's uh, there's a bit of child childish naivety to the way some people, some grown adults, still see footballers' Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. For example, um, as it is at the moment, um, having social media accounts is often quite a useful way of making money on the side. A lot of times when you get a sponsorship from someone or or even the, you know, the brand you represent if you're with Nike or whatever, um, your social media following is part of your contract in terms of you post this much to mm. this many people on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, and a lot of it is, is transactional at the moment. Even some of the more um, sincere... And genuine um, tweeters, let's say someone like Marcus Rashford when he was mm-hmm. doing his stuff for, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, child poverty and, and child hunger and, and uh, other such causes, because of the scale of what he was doing mm-hmm. and the, I suppose, just, you know, the the operation that he was, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> without without getting too much into the cause digging out the was, government, but but, yeah. but the scale of what he was trying to do <clears throat> because other people weren't doing it. Um, required help essentially, and he got social media help from people to uh, you know put out certain messages at certain times in terms of like here's your local food bank or this place is doing this, this place is doing this. Um, when he was like collating, um, you know, sites for people to donate food and, and so it can be used in. for good on social media. No, no, it is, know. but but even then, that was like he 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 needed help and, and got a manager. And I remember because I, I bring that up because at the time that was a gotcha, as if like ah, so he's he so, didn't write know, that tweet. He's yeah. not writing his own tweet. He, so he like, doesn't yeah, care just, about the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, yeah. read the fucking message. You yes, yeah, um, or I will. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but then also like even even the even the funny thing, you know, there's there was so Alan Saint Maximum, uh, Mishi Bashwai, like players who mm. seem to really fully engage with it and are really funny with it, even they're, they're cultivated to an extent. You know, mm. they they do, in, in essence, have a ghostwriter who's like feeding things here and there and funny videos and stuff like that. Mm. I think it's, um, I think sometimes, yeah, it is, it is quite genuine. I think by and large, it's not. 
But then I also think, I mean, maybe maybe this is being a bit too mean spirited. The thing I I can never really square is when it's like a grown man's birthday mm-hmm. and he tweets up as oh, I really appreciate uh, a retweet on my on my birthday. I'm like, yeah. Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also kind of worry for footballers a bit with social media, which perhaps clouds my idea of it, because they are so vulnerable to abuse. There's such a direct route to them. We've seen it happen so many times with so many different players. Horrendous abuse, horrendous racist abuse. Let's be honest, it's an absolute scourge. And um, it is something that's very, very difficult to police and that social media companies don't actually seem that interested in policing in the first place. So I, I, I don't know if I have a particularly positive idea of social media and football at the moment, especially because, let's be honest, some of the thickest people you'll ever see in your life are people talking about football on Twitter. And because often they have a picture of, of, of a football or whatever, they're probably 13 and you don't know that. But they, they look as if they're a, they're a peer or an equal but um, they might be saying the most outlandish, ridiculous stuff you've ever heard. Hmm. I suppose conversely with the the social media thing in terms of racist abuse, a lot of the times it's been quite a, a useful vessel for players to call out that kind of stuff, especially in the mainstream media. And so it's generally injustices as well. So, I mean, I, I can see that part of plays in it. I think by and large, <clears throat> though, footballers on social media mm-hmm. are not particularly A, good, rewarding, or, or C, kind of... Mm. So the question, Necessary thing. yeah. So the question is also is how football exists on social media. Let's be honest, we we would never have seen that dog run on the pitch and stop a goal in in you know the Argentinian third yeah. league if it or that for, for, dog that got interviewed after yeah. running off the pitch in Brazil. There's that, or or that outrageous volley in um you know did the, a dog the, do that the, as well? The, yeah. the Thai first division or something. Steve like Bruce that. diving off a boat. Yeah, I mean that so, sort of exists. you know you got to take the rough of the smooth. Is what you're saying? <laughs> the I just I just think that that, that with um, how football exists on social media was a part of the question. I think that we see a lot of clips, and that can influence how people think of certain players as well. You know, with highlight reels and all that kind of stuff. That's not social media per se. It's more sort of YouTube, but it does come into play. But it does sometimes quite literally highlight some incredible things that you'll have never seen before. Mm. You used to have to watch. Um, you know, Danny Baker's own goals and gaffes or Nick Hancock's um, uh, football nightmares. Do you know what I mean? So I think for that, we've shared tons of stuff and we continue to get all these little nuggets and so on. That, I think, is a marvellous part of the way football is um, exists, if you like to use the words of Ryan, on, on social media. I mean, does it help if you... Do you feel closer to the players in your club? I think... I was thinking about this in terms of musicians. If you think about in the 80s and 90s, or more than 90s really for our day, you might see your favourite band or, or artist interviewed once in a blue moon. Mm. You might even know what they, their voice sounds like. And, then, and, and so what, whatever they say, you know, that is heavily scrutinised. I don't think the scrutiny goes away, but you, you hang off their every word and maybe they might be on a Radio 1, BBC Radio 1 or, or whatever it may be. And and you would have very very little, and it would be a bit would be a left to the imagination. So I don't know whether that's good or bad. But now you have a lot more access yeah. in in a sense, um, and 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 it's the same with footballers. And I think as a as a young person, I think I would have absolutely loved that. Yeah. And actually, do you know what? 
even as someone my age, I actually love, I've often talked about the England social media, funnily enough. I love, like the other day, I was watching Jack Grealish and Declan Rice playing this silly game at, at St George's Park, the England training. Yeah. And I was just, I was just enjoying it. It's you know only, I mean? it does. None of that existed when we were growing up. When it's up. curated well, and you've got a really good social media manager and they've got, mm. they've got a team who know what they're doing, it does give you a sense of connection to those players if it's if it's your club. And obviously that, that extends to England as well. Mm. And that's sort of what you want, isn't it? I suppose you're right. 20 years ago, I you know I wouldn't know what Jorginho's favourite movie was, but I saw a, <laughs> you know, saw a clip with him talking. I can't remember what it was now, but I've certainly seen a clip of that sort of thing recently. Yeah. And you know the thing, the Style idea of, with a vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of supporting a football club, which so many people that don't understand football don't get, is that you are sort of you're, you're kind of investing in this institution, mm-hmm. and it's a community that you are a part of. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who's wearing the shirt. It's it was there a hundred years before you. It will be there a thousand years after you if yeah. we don't ruin the planet, which we definitely will, etc. Or the league. Team. Yeah, you or don't the even league, have to go that big. But, um, but yeah, and I suppose it does help you connect to that by them giving you little slivers of things that they mm-hmm. think are interesting. And I don't know, you even though it's it's really, you know, demonstrably and objectively a little bit silly, you do feel connected to those individuals on you the do. pitch, even though you don't know them personally. You, mm. you feel like they represent you because yeah. you made a decision as a kid that this football team is the best and they then have to yeah. go out and prove you right every single time, yeah. which is exhausting after a while, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I, th- I think, I think it, it does make them ostensibly, and it's the sort of perhaps the, the not the myth, but the... Um, the uh, appearance of it is that then the people are more affable. That's what people want. Whenever you meet a famous person or someone's met a famous person, you go, what are they like? Yeah, it I is mean... always the question. And so, with regards to what I was saying about musicians and 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 all that kind of thing, in in you know back in our day when we were growing up, you were desperate for all these nuggets. Now, on one hand, it made it more special when you got something, but on the other hand, you always wanted more. And and you know, but we're now you know coming at this as very much as adults, and so I don't sort of get starstruck in in the same way that I would have done years ago and I, you, you know all that kind of thing but I do like thinking oh actually I, I feel like I know these chaps a little bit more or something like that and some of the Fulham media I, I you know like when when Tim Ream is um, turns up and that that there's that chart and there's that kid who, who who sees him and cannot believe Tim Ream one of his heroes is there you know obviously the Fulham player and just like gets emotional and Ream sort of arm around the it's just lovely stuff to see I think just inevitably with anything social media in general you can use it to be a bastard you can use it for nefarious purposes but actually also there's a lot of good stuff on there a lot of good stuff on there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think my first answer, I mean, I'd probably like to have it back, actually, because I was talking exclusively about mm. Twitter um, slash X. Whereas, what, you know, the point you made about the, about the England team, mm. I think that was a huge part of just the groundswell of love that they got yeah. during the Euros in Watching them turn up when they get to St. George's Park out of the it's taxis, still... I'm going, there's nine minutes left. This. I've really got, I've got two children to look after. Oh, I'll just... Watch yeah. the next seven minutes. Well, those inflatables <laughs> were a big, big part of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they brought them back because everyone, because people wanted the inflatables back. Yeah, that was are. why they brought them back. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, I, I think. There's also, can we just, while we're on this subject, yeah. very quickly before we move on, um, do you have a favourite um, England uh, social media thing? Because you reminded me of mine. As in a particular set piece that the England... yeah or like a moment within a set piece because you reminded me of mine when Dominic Calvert-Lewin got his first call up on the Gareth Southgate yeah. he walks up to walks up to the door and it just so happens that Southgate's at the door oh right I don't know if Southgate was going to greet him anyway but mm-hmm. he's at the door and he says you know welcome and Calvert-Lewin is wearing a flat cap yeah 
and as he goes to shake Southgate's like an old hand, man sort of yeah he cap, takes yeah. the flat cap off and shakes his hand that's lovely which I was like <laughs> I'm not old enough to find this adorable but I find it adorable that's lovely yeah. and uh, Southgate comments on the cap yeah. and Calvert-Lewin says oh yeah um, it's my, it's actually my granddad's mm-hmm. um, he's always been a you know obviously a big supporter of his and I think he might have passed away mm-hmm. uh, quite recently but he was like you know I just wanted to wear it for, for granddad yeah. and that's contained within a standard meeting greet you know yep. comes over shakes hand they have yep. that conversation yep. you wouldn't have seen it no, otherwise like they wouldn't like and also it wouldn't have been a set piece because yeah. it's you know it's quite a personal thing mm-hmm. but just yeah so many things in that moment I was like I fucking love everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- I, and unless anyone disagrees, yeah, unless anybody disagrees, I, th- I think it does make you feel closer to the players in the club. Does it? Does it actually? I think you're not talking about actuals. You know, it doesn't mean to say you get. 20% well, you can only go on how it makes you feel. Exactly, you go on feelings. You don't get twenty percent off the tickets. You don't get access to all areas and none of that bollocks. But you get the feeling. Yeah, you, you get know? a sense that you know the personalities to some degree, like to a I slightly think, better degree. Yeah. And then also, um, I mean, Jack's encyclopedia is 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 taken exactly from that. <laughs> and then, of go. course, who can forget Jack Grealish not being able to find England on a map or being so <laughs> so certain he wouldn't be able to? He didn't even try, <laughs> and yet just seeming so adorable. Yeah, exactly. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. Question two is from Tiago. Jordan Henderson is on his way back to European football, which in some ways is quite a mad comeback for him. Leaving aside the issues surrounding Henderson's move, what's the most surprising comeback or career turnaround a player has ever made in your memory? Now, of course, Henderson is um, now an Ajax player, uh, which you know has been quite the turnaround for him. Um, I'm going to chuck one out there straight away, a man whose documentary we spoke about recently, David Beckham. And this is on a number of different levels, actually. Mm. So the comeback, you could say, was winning the nation over again after the sending off and then the performance against Greece. But, the, you know, or, or, or the comeback to European... That would be more of a turnaround, I suppose, actually. And then the comeback would be coming back to European football after going to America. Now, it would almost be the perfect answer had LA Galaxy said, no, you're not going to go to Milan on a... Or, you know, yeah. we're not selling you to Milan. Because that would have been... I think the gold standard because Beckham said, I'm going to go over to Major League Soccer and I'm going to increase the profile and it's going to change and I'm going to be a big part of that. Well, of course, not long after he went there, he was wanting to come back to Europe and the documentary didn't quite paint it like that as you'd expect. Not, you know, um, Victoria Beckham said, 
we just got there. We just settled in. You know, California is like rehab for celebrities. They say we were thinking this is just what we need after the madhouse of Madrid, and then obviously before, and then and then David Beckham's like, oh, I think I, I'm off to Milan again. And he's like bloody hell, and he goes there, and he wanted a permanent transfer, and yeah. he didn't get it because Galaxy blocked it. They said no, we're not having this. And then it's made out that um, he sat around with Landon Donovan after a little while, and they went, no, I, I need you, David. Come on, and okay, I'll one all for one and one for all, forgetting that he got injured and he didn't make the England squad, and that was his international career over. That's really why. I had to knuckle yeah. down because there was nowhere else to go. So so Beckham, you could say, but it was surprising when he came back to Europe and then started putting in performance. But you could also say when he played for PSG against Barcelona in the Champions League knockouts. Now, some people say he had no right to play in that game, whatever you may think. So I think Beckham was kind of multi-layered there with regards to both parts of that Yeah, question. although I suppose David Beckham has been very good at being in charge of his own narrative, hasn't he, sort of latterly. Yeah. Certainly post-98, uh, where obviously mm-hmm. that became a really important thing mm-hmm. for him to be, a, be in control of his own image well, can, and what people were saying about him, understandably. Can you imagine if he was in this modern day with social media and so on? I mean, imagine all mm-hmm. the, the attention he got. And so, but perhaps I mean, he is. He still gets a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. No, but they, it, still, in, they still use him to launch kits that aren't actually very good. No, I know. Yeah, as in, as weirdly, in, they look amazing for but, but, but one then, slide. But then you could argue, perhaps, would Beckham have been the megastar he was if we had modern day social media? And we're harking back to the first question here, so apologies, we should concentrate on this one. But if there was so much stuff in, 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 you know, because Beckham, again, we didn't know what he sounded like. It was it was restricted access to him, understandably so. You know, would we? Because you know, <laughs> of his voice. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm just sort of speculating there. We've moved on. So, um, gentlemen, uh, the floor is open, um, as it always is. My, my, mine is more injury related, which I suppose is going a bit more. Well, I suppose a surprising comeback. You yeah. Could, you could shoehorn it in there. Just because of the severity of it. Original Ronaldo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the greatest redemption arc in the history of football. Oh, it's a big shout. It, it, but him scoring scoring in the World 2002 final. final yes, having, after with, what, happened, what in happened in 98. Yeah. yeah, okay. But yeah, the, the only reason I'm hesitant for that is because it's injury related. But in terms of like... Maybe not a surprise, but no, I say. But, but in terms of... This is quite short term, my, my next kind of one I have in my head. Carlos Tevez going on strike for Man City <laughs> because of the time that's gone Big since and baby. what happened <laughs> Big baby baby <laughs> but you know going on strike um, they sign Aguero he comes back he helps them win the league just the way that all panned out was it, there was a shift to me well, I felt like there was a shift in terms of in, in previous situations that's a kind of non-negotiable you're out of the club kind mm. of thing. you're on your way out but it was just, the, I think, just the nature of where the game was at the time, not just at Man City, but other clubs. The kind of More and more, we were seeing the transactional nature of football. Yeah. And it was very much like, well, you're a very good player. We are going to, you know, come back in, help us get this one monkey off our back. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. So are you saying that quit. Tevez, across the board, has sort of collectively <clears throat> lowered... The, the integrity of the sport. <laughs> I think, I think you I, want me to say that. I did, I did, how much, how integral was Tevez to that title win? Because again, harking back to Beckham, when Capello calls on him to help them win the league, I think that's perhaps more of a stunning example. Because it was... Yeah, sure. But, but, I mean, I'm just speaking... But like, he went on strike. It wasn't like he was, you know, yeah, okay. injured or something like that. I, I just thought... I mean, that was that was quite... A, that was surprising to a point. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to chuck in Sol Campbell. Notts County. Ooh, this is not for me. <laughs> and then and then goes on and plays like a couple of handfuls of games for Arsenal after that, and then Newcastle yeah. wasn't blisteringly good. Um, but that was uh, that was a that was a turnaround again. Yeah. Ad- admittedly, at the end of his career, so it's not. 
as spectacular. But the one that I would say, which was perhaps a little bit more spectacular, because let's face it, when a player leaves European football, you know, and they're from Europe particularly, you th- kind of think that's them winding down and they're kind of, especially if they go to say MLS, for example, which is a, a popular one. There's no disrespect to MLS, but you think, okay, like you've, we've seen a number of players do that from here. And we saw Jermaine Defoe do it to Toronto FC. Now he scored a lot of goals and I think he thought to himself, I've got a bit more left in the tank here because he goes there in 2014. There's a loan spell at Spurs, then comes back to England and he's one of Sunderland's best players in their modern yeah. era, you would say. Like, you know, Sunderland were a Premier League club, you know, and he was scoring fairly regularly for them. Yeah. I, um, I think sometimes players have more in the tank than they realise, well, right? Well, yeah, but, yeah. It's, but it has to go down as, uh, you know, a bit of a, a surprising comeback because he only, he does that at Sunderland. He goes to Bournemouth where he plays. Okay, does a bit there. Goes up to Rangers. Now, I know that can often prolong a, a career played in Scotland if you, you know, sort of slightly lesser quality than mm. the Premier League. But he it's wins taking his... taking a difficulty level down on FIFA, isn't it? It is, Jim. <laughs> um, he, as far as I'm aware, he wins his only um, medal in football or major trophy with, with winning the league there. But not only this... Post Toronto, when he comes back and he's in his thirties, he gets called up again for England yeah. and scores. Mm. So I think I think Defoe is definitely one who had a who had a yeah. very surprising comeback, especially given what and happened. was touted, Jim, just to finish by um, former player Dean Saunders on the same radio show that I happen to be on for a move to Manchester United <laughs> to solve their striking yeah. crisis. It's possibly maybe the profile of the player negates it a bit, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Coming I back think that's from in that, MLS as well. I think it's a great answer. I, I think um, in terms of players making comebacks at their own club, <laughs> you got to look at Granit Xhaka. Now, I was at the Ooh, game... 100%. What, were you with me, actually? I was I was certainly at the Emirates when he told everyone to fuck off. I and, wasn't there, no. And had, had that quite incredible moment. He, and, he wouldn't have said it if I was there. No, he wouldn't have. No, it would have been too much. <laughs> um, in, in front of St. Marcus. But, um, yeah, he... Uh, you know, it was the most vitriolic thing I've seen there. And Emmanuel Abue had a really difficult time at the Emirates once as well. Mm. When the crowd turns there, there was a time oh, where it could get really, really nasty, really, really mm. horrible. And, and this was, was a similar thing. Um, and it really felt like there was no way back. Like all of the kind of, the the, the loudest, angriest fans were shouting, get him out of the club, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And it was a flashpoint because he, he'd been a frustrating player for a long time uh, for lots of different reasons. But the way he... Turned turned his game around. Obviously, Mikel Arteta has a lot of credit for that as well. The way he knuckled down the strength of personality, the strength of character mm-hmm. he has to to have been such an integral part in in Arsenal's kind of return to to better days, um, uh, which well, I think is, is, is still a, is is still a fair way to ca- um, characterise last season was was remarkable. Really, um, in the last home game, he scored a couple. Could have had a hat trick as well. Just just screwed mm-hmm. one wide, but. The fans were chanting, Granite Xhaka, we want you to stay. Yeah. And part of that is probably a little bit of embarrassment as well. Because um, <laughs> y- you look back at the dark days of a, of a um, of your own club and sometimes thought, God, that was that was a bit rough. That was horrible. Everyone yeah. was laughing at us. And it's nice to turn that around. But I think I think you, you skirted over it quickly, but I think Ibrahimovic is a, is a great shout. I mean, I think it was surprising that he came back to Europe after MLS, um, of course. I mean, you could say it was... I, I was surprised he came to the Premier League when when he did, because obviously there was always that talk about people in England maybe not rating him or whatever. But he came to the Premier League after PSG, which I thought was 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 bold and brave actually. And then after Galaxy goes to Milan and is plays his part in Milan winning the Scudetto for the first time in, in ages. But at Milan, 
you know, people might think, oh, well, he was, you know, how did he actually get on in that second spell at Milan? He scored 37 goals in 78 appearances. Yeah. It's I mean, amazing, that's, that's, remarkable. That's decent for any striker, really, uh, or for when, most strikers. When he came to Manchester United, right. um, he was obviously, you know, the name and, and this, that and the other. Yeah. The performances he put on the field, the way he carried himself off it, um, that sense of responsibility, which obviously was governed for primarily selfish reasons, <laughs> but selfish within an understanding of like how the game of football works. Like, yeah. I, I, I want to be a, I want to be a big shot here. Yeah. I need everyone else to step up with me. Yeah. You know, I cannot do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he, people say that when he left uh, the Old Trafford, oh, sorry, the Manchester United dressing room, mm-hmm. completely changed. The dynamic completely shifted. And then there was a bit of a vacuum mm-hmm. and it's one that hasn't really been filled since, truth be told. Yeah. I understand that when he played for them, especially in that second season or whenever it was, people were saying he kind of holds the play up a little bit too much and maybe interrupts the Yeah, flow thank God we got over that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying to give him the fair crack that, that it was he was good for Manchester United, but there were a few little criticisms. No, no, I, I think... Really? I, 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 really, I really do think that's overblown. Have and I been hanging out with the wrong crowd again? I think you have, no. yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, the, that's an interesting um, point to, to carry forward a little bit because people talk about... Um, the I am Zlatan element yeah. of him, but apparently in the dressing room, he's a very, very different character, a sort of big brother character mm-hmm. to, 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 to younger players, which is all players essentially mm-hmm. in the period that we're talking about. And um, yeah, he was, he was really good to Pogba as well. I think that's um, something that wasn't really talked about at the time. Um, but yeah, I think their dynamic was, was very helpful for Pogba. who was, you know, starting out still a, still a young kid really. Yeah. All told. Um, I'm trying to think of like, narrative busting players so like move away from injury and, and think about like was there a player that proved everyone wrong yeah but but also even <clears> from like a characteristic point of view um mm-hmm. because i'd be tempted to say you know we mentioned him on friday so I, th- I think troy deeney mm-hmm. was someone who not not least because of his history you know he he did time um then emerged as this like like accomplished yeah Premier League footballer. Mm-hmm, I know yeah. you, you know there's <clears throat> that's quite a broad phrase, but but I've used it deliberately, and that like it felt like he belonged. It felt like he really understood his game. Some people, it, some people, that kind of stuff comes to quite late, and that's yeah. fair enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think maybe him. I, I think a lot of times, maybe it's because of the year that he grew up in, or he you know he played his football in. That I think a lot of the way he was maybe Dini was talked about was was quite you know some of the language is quite coded, mm-hmm. not very well coded, but coded nonetheless. Um, and you know, we obviously we've have joked about it, like you know saying he was as good a player as Harry Kane, or he could do things that Harry Kane couldn't mm-hmm. do. But I think within that there was um, you know some truth to like what he called out as his strengths because he was um, he ended up being a to my to my mind anyway quite a solid Premier League player. Yeah, oh, he was. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it seemed unlikely at the time that yeah. that was was going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in this chat of surprising comebacks or career turnarounds. You know. See, that is kind of open to interpretation in some sense. And there's some big players, there's some obvious examples we were we we, we will have missed there. So so do get involved on um, on the Discord or, or, or wherever. Um just maybe one more for me. Didier Drogba. It didn't when he when he left Chelsea to go to Shanghai Shanur, I didn't think we would see him again. Mm. But then it, but then he came back and he Galatasaray did all right, then popped up at Chelsea again and you know, he just he he, he loved it, didn't he? But yeah, I suppose that that's um a more kind of softer example, maybe. Um, I mean, a surprising comeback for you, Jim, was 
maybe seeing Thierry Henry in an Arsenal shirt again. Oh, that was that goal against Leeds United. Magical, <laughs> absolutely magical. Yeah, yeah because I, it was it was his signature move as well, yeah. which not many players even have. So yeah. for and he used to torment Leeds as well. They yeah. must have been absolutely <laughs> gutted. Also, his celebration mm. was far more exuberant than any of his previous yeah, celebrations. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. You know, he'd make a note of not smiling, and he yeah. was clearly like. That was a that was a great moment. I remember watching that game live because it was an FA Cup game, wasn't it? That's right. Um, and he comes on and he just looks older because yeah. he's got a beard and you know he, you know he's just a bit more weathered as you would be. And he takes it, scores, yeah, his kind of trademark goal, and has that moment where he clearly believed he could do it, mm-hmm. but he couldn't believe that he had done it. Yeah, yeah. he said that um, that was the first time he'd played for Arsenal as a fan. That's nice. And nice. that's what it looked like in the celebration. Yeah. Can I say that Thierry Henry never looks weathered, by the way? No. Well, no, but I mean, compared to how he used to look. In the context <laughs> of yeah, In the context of Thierry Henry, yeah. It was a surprising comeback, though. Again, it was. You know, open to interpretation a little bit, but he came back to Arsenal. Um, gentlemen, uh, we're going to finish with this from Paul. Hi, guys. I'm lucky enough to be working in St. George's Park this week where I'm getting quite substantial behind-the-scenes access to complete the air conditioning maintenance. Top-rate facilities decorated head-to-toe with the greatest exploit of England's national teams and all located amongst stunning countryside. It made for some pretty inspiring stuff. So I took a dump under Southgate's pillow and hit rotten fish behind Harry Kane's radiator. I'm on the Scots! The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.